Welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician. Welcome, everyone, to an exciting season two of Marari Unmuted. We know you're listening to us from the car, or the kitchen, or even inside the practice room, but we're excited to have you back within our lives. Uh, I wanted to make sure you understood that we have a couple things in our upcoming episodes where you may hear dates that have already happened. That's because most of the conversations that we have for the first part of Season 2 were recorded prior to our summer uh, vacation period. But just keep that in mind, and we'll make sure that we'll start giving you more updates and new episodes coming up that we're recording very shortly for the latter half of Season 2. So without further ado, sit back, relax, take the mute out, and listen to the first episode of Season 2 of Marari Unmuted. Okay, so welcome everyone. Now that you've heard us talk about our next podcast, which will be outtakes of us trying to start our podcast together. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to be talking uh, about something that I think is really, really important. And it's probably one of my most favorite parts about making music. And that is how the art of telling stories uh, through music and how we develop those, where they come from, what are some things to consider. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why I love music history is because this is where you connect with people, right? The human experience of things and learning how to do that as a musician, I think is something that's really, really special. Um, and what makes it possible for there to be 5,000 people playing the same piece and that they are all different. Um, and so there's room for everybody uh, if we reach that certain level. So. We're going to talk a little bit about stories. It's just going to be me and Matt today uh, chatting about this. Yes. We're the only um, ones who care about storytelling in the group. That's right. Nobody else really cares. And I'm, <laughs> I only moderately care about it. <laughs> I mostly just want to play all the right notes. Ew. Just kidding. I hope not. Um, well, I play French horn, so that can't ever be a goal. <laughs> all the right <laughs> notes. So I'm going to go really into story here. But okay, cool. so we're going to kind of work our way through this in a couple of steps um and really this is just going to kind of be matt and i chatting about something that i think both of us are probably pretty passionate about which is really connecting with other human beings through music so welcome to our fireside chat about storytelling so jesse tell me what is storytelling as a musician what would your definition of it be that's a really good question, Matt. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Um, I think a, a, a story for me is, I think there's a couple different ways that you can go about this. Um, I think, as I've mentioned probably in almost every single episode that we've done, I'm an, or I'm an empath. So there's always feelings in me. And I feel like a story is any sort of feeling that we're putting into that. That can be really specific. Like I'm actually painting a picture of a boat floating down a river. Um, like Smetna's Mavlost, right? Which you can, he's painting all of this scenery. Um, or it can literally be someone's feelings, right? When you, uh, sadness or um, nostalgia, um, if you are pensive, all of those kinds of things, right? So they can be very specific as well, or they can be just kind of a general mood or essence or create some sort of character. Um, so I think one of the things I like about it is that there's so much room and there are so many ways to do that, that it can reach everybody, right? There's a little bit for everyone. It's one of the things we talk about with our programs that when you come to a Marari concert, there will always be something that for everyone basically on the program. And that's because the stories are varied. 
um, and the experience is varied in how people, um, how we experience the music, how we interpret it from the composer, and then of course being able to share that uh, with the audience. So I think there's lots of different ways uh, to tell stories here. Yeah, I, I, I love that you said like, ah, like a boat on the river, like it could be literally a boat going down the river. And then like when you said, or it could be a feeling. And I was like, you could be lonely, like the uh, a sole person floating on a boat down a river and not knowing where you are. Like it, it, that that just image could could give you so many, many different ideas and tell so many different stories. Right. Um, which and I think you touched on some of this, but like, why? Why is that important? Like, why do we need stories? And and you you started to go into this a little bit, but it's um, like stories are like the way that we sort of uh, not just catalog, but it's the way that we share our humanity and like share human existence and like. This is how people get to know us and how we get to know other people and how we connect. Just imagine if you never told a story to anyone, you know, mm. a anyone or, or I bet for everyone out there, there is a story that you haven't told to everyone or there's a story that you've told to only one person or two people. And I think that uh, think about how how important or how much of an impact that story has on you and how much power that one story potentially has. And I think if we find a way to put that into music, that that shows that like, oh, my gosh, the, it, it opens up this entire world and and really creates depth in what we're doing as musicians. Yeah. And I also think it's a way to educate and learn. Right? Yeah. You, you yeah, yeah. really get a feeling for other people's experiences when you can music is a way to literally have no other option to put your feet in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. And yes, you may be interpreting it through your lens, but you are hearing it through like there's this really interesting two way street about how we hear stories, how we interpret stories and how we then in turn internalize those things and share those stories or relate to that particular experience. Um, which I think is it, that's the beauty of it, right? That's the unity of it. That's the thing that brings people together. That's the thing that makes us feel um, connected. Yeah, and less and less alone as well. Yeah. So there's so many ways, right? That I think storytelling. Why is it important? Where are we getting the stories? Right. All of those kind of things. There's just so much variety in this, and um, so many different ways to do it, which is also what makes it interesting and it keeps it, I think, fresh and exciting and. Yeah, I All think that kind of stuff. I think that that sort of bleeds into, uh, you know, you said, how can you have 5000 people playing the same piece and all of them be different? And I think that comes down to just general storytelling, period. You know, like, how do we tell stories? If you if you if you're thinking about, you know, let's say classically trained theater actors or Shakespearean actors or whatever, they they potentially are doing the same play, you know, for like months at a time for for a run and every single night they're delivering it this particular way and it's taking in there there's so much context there right like what was shakespeare thinking what did he mean here and understanding the text but also it's what's going on in that person's life and how they choose to share that thing and like and how are they affecting their affecting i should say their speech 
or their cadence or their delivery or, or whatever, their inflection, uh, in order to do that? And how do we capture somebody's attention as a storyteller? I'm sure everyone has heard a really great storyteller at some point tell you a story where you're just sitting on the edge of your seat going, oh my gosh, what comes next? What comes next? And then, <laughs> yeah. and my favorite part is, you hear the story once and you are dying to share that story with somebody else and you go to tell the story and it just falls flat because <laughs> not nearly as good it's not nearly as good and why because it's not your story necessarily and you haven't made it your story there are ways to make that thing your story which i think great artists and great storytellers and great actors and great musicians do we can take a story that exists and make it ours so then we're delivering this really captivating thing that's how you can take a story from someone else but if you just try to relay it exactly the way somebody told it um, I have tried this a number of times because I've heard hilarious stories and I've wanted to share them <laughs> and I just go and you always end up going that's when somebody's like and then you found five dollars right or right. that's when that's when you go oh well it, it was really funny when when they told it you, I guess, guess you had to be there right exactly <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly and and what isn't that the last thing that we want as a musician to to be like uh well I guess, I guess you had to be there you know, at the end of our performance <laughs> to, to be like, I guess you had to be there when when whoever wrote this piece. But, right. uh, you know, yeah. so anyway, I, I think how we tell that is is really important. And, and I think that leads us just a bit, unless you have more to talk about that, into how to develop these stories for ourselves. Yeah. And I, this definitely does bleed. And that was a perfect segue into this. I was thinking. Yes. This is exactly we are so on the same page. Um, but this is where experience as a human being comes in handy, right? Like we can't just oh, live sure. in a vacuum and not go out and experience things, not experience heartbreak, not experience hardship or all sorts of emotions, right? I mean, that's one of the things where they talk about like, yes, it's really, really interesting when you see a 12 year old who can play the snot out of a violin. But there's also value in a 40 year old playing that same thing with the life experience that they have. Those two things will not be the same. And I don't necessarily even think one is better than the other. They are just different. And for mm. someone, I think, or people like the two of us that are super interested in connecting to the music and feeling something, um, I, I that experience comes in really, really, really handy. I mean, we've talked about it even as professors. You know, you have to have a life outside of your job. Otherwise, what stories do you have to tell? How do you relate <laughs> to somebody if you haven't, you know, experienced getting your heart broken or unrequited love or, you know, a myriad of other things? So being a human being and experiencing that stuff, I think, is one of the ways that is incredibly helpful in relating to internalizing and then in turn not telling someone else's story, but telling your version of that story. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I always think of this. Uh, uh, I, I started being more into like, you know, hiking or whatever. And I just go back to like a number of like really difficult hikes that were also ridiculously beautiful, mm. you know, and like I, I think about how much those inspire me in however many different ways. And they're new stories that 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 I can tell and, and they're my stories and it wasn't meant I didn't go on a hike so that I could tell a story yeah. you know I didn't do it so that I had a good story to tell I just did it 
to experience something new. And I think so make sure when you're going out and you're doing these things, don't don't necessarily try to think about the story that you're going to tell about it <laughs> before you even go and do the thing. That's yeah. that's for your reflection afterwards. So for sure. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, this is one of those things where since I'm a music history teacher at the university where I am, I have a lot of students saying, what's the point of music history? Can't we just look it up if we need to know the information? Oh, my goodness. And um, or that it becomes very like this is just an academic thing. I'm going to be a teacher. Why would I need to necessarily know these things? And that's the exact reason. Every piece of music is someone's story. And if you don't have the ability to understand what was the context in which that piece was written, right? Like you think about Shostakovich, and if I, you know, listen to Shostakovich 7, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's exciting and it's cool. But then if you think about these stories, you know, that you've heard, like he's writing it out and he's frantically trying to finish and the building across the street from him gets bombed. Yeah. So he takes his wife and his son down to the bomb shelter while he goes back to work by candlelight to finish this thing because it is so much about that struggle uh between um the people and the government and freedom and all of these kind of things i mean it's it's those stories make a difference right or if you know that the um adagietto from Mahler's fifth symphony was a love letter to his wife you hear those things differently those harmonies take on a completely different life um so knowing something about music history and the context and what's going on in the world that would produce or inspire something like that in somebody i think that's the most interesting part and when you think about how many people are right even just the romantic period okay we're all kind of experiencing the same very similar things in the world and as human beings but how many different pieces express a very similar idea in wildly different ways um there's something really inspiring about that and there's something really um helpful educational um just i I don't know there's something about like the psychology of that that i that i love and that there is room for all of that and that there are many different ways to process through and figure things out and to grow and to evolve and um, and, and I, I love this whole discussion about when we talk about um, modernism specifically, but, you know, you, you bear this weight of tradition, but you're also bearing this weight of progress. And the people that are like, well, why do we have to change anything? Why can't we keep it the same? And then you're people who say, well, why shouldn't we make progress? Why shouldn't we grow past that? And like, how do you decipher all of that? And how do you cram it all into one thing and then create something new? Um, and all of that comes from music history from researching a piece researching a person understanding their lives you know um obviously someone who grew up um in let's say alaska is going to have a very different experience in life than somebody growing up in chile right so um knowing things about those cultures about those societies about world issues what those people happen to be managing on a daily basis. Um, It's such a beautiful way to create this sense, not only of humility, but I think um, of connection and understanding that is essential as the human race to really be able to develop, I think that skill of understanding other people and other experiences. And music history and history itself will do that for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, so we've sort of uh, uh, we're, we're, we're getting into this section that is like a little bit about how you are developing these stories or how we develop stories, particularly uh, Jesse and I, but Murari as well. Um, but so so, yeah, like obviously you you have to be creative and use your imagination. But I think we we all agree in, in Murari that we have to start first with sort of like, OK, when was this piece written? What was the context in which it was written? Does the history matter? And um, and, and I think you have to, obviously it does. It, it very much does for many of these pieces. Um, for, I would say most pieces. There are some, let's, let's be honest. There are some pieces out there that somebody wrote. They were like, uh, I, you know, this is an exercise for me. I'm writing for the brass quintet the first time, you know, and, and there are some pieces that are like that, but even those generally come from, you know, we ask those people, hey, where did this come from? It comes from some sort of personal experience. And you knowing that uh, can change the way that you play that. Um, also, I think it's important, you know, when you are doing, when you're, when you're learning the history of a piece, make, make sure that you, like, really dig, dig and find stuff on your own. Um, do, do as much searching as you can rather than going and asking, you know, the upperclassman, the graduate student or your, you know, whatever applied teacher, um, you know, hey, what's going on with this piece? Well, if you ask an applied teacher, I guarantee you they're going to be like, go look it up, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and, and do your yeah. own research like you, you do it. You find it because um, sometimes I've had people come in and say, well, I heard from a friend that blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is 100 percent wrong. <laughs> so yeah. just make sure and that if they I can. Go ahead. Jump in just, really quickly because yeah. it's kind of along with what you were saying where, um, you know, I've had students be like, well, why didn't we cover all these pieces that you talk about you get excited about in class? I mean, there's a reason for that. We only have so much time, right, to discuss so much music. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I remember hearing Mahler for the first time on my terms, yeah. not through somebody else's ears or saying, oh my God, you have to listen to this part or whatever. And I would never want to take that experience away of somebody stumbling upon this piece of music that is like, this is life-changing music for me. And I think yeah. had somebody maybe curated that for me or talked me through it or kind of where I'm listening through their ears rather than my own, it might not have been as meaningful. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking you said you started talking about Mahler 5 and I started thinking about the next piece that I wanted to sort of talk about because um, because we were going to sort of jump into this section about like other ways that we develop stories besides their historical context and what the composer was going through. Um, there are obviously things in the music that we're going to say, OK, uh, maybe I can find a way to connect certain things or it will change the way that I play things with uh, different sort of actions or descriptors. For example, um, uh, one of the pieces that I love to play is, uh, is uh, <laughs> it's actually a song cycle written by Mahler uh, and it's his Kindertotenlieder, which is really horrendously depressing um, based on poetry about, uh, it is basically the translation is songs on the death of children. Um, and it's just horrendously, horrendously sad. If you don't know the history of it, go look it up. Um, but I will tell you that there, there are moments in that where, yes, I'm playing this like really sad music. I don't have words necessarily to show a given thing, but I need to know what those words are. I need to know what I'm saying. And there are moments where, um, I want to make, uh, light 
For example, there's a theme of light that is, is really important that per, is pervasive throughout all the movements. And I want to show that in my playing. So in some of these moments where I have one of these specific words that says the sun is shining or shine or so brightly shines, then in those moments, I change my sound. I change my tone color. I change my vibrato and I make it. I, I do a little bit of what we would call like sort of text painting. Um, and I think that's, that is obviously one way that you can do that. Uh, Jesse, you said, um, you said something earlier when we were talking about it. What were you, you were talking about like bunnies or something <laughs> when oh, we were right. talking about this. Yeah. So, you know, there's this kind of interesting thing. So like if you paint a story in your head, right? Like, okay, I'm listening to this piece of music. If there was a movie playing, what would be happening, right? So like yes. listening to the music, what's happening? So, or if I'm like, okay, I want to create um, this this kind of picture of a bunny hopping through a meadow on a beautiful sunny spring day. I'm probably not going to play a bunch of Swartzandos unless that bunny is like a 500 pound bunny, right? Or <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to have um, uh, something that is very necessarily legato if I want to portray this bunny hopping, right? But there are all sorts of um, ways that we can translate text into sound. And that's the kind of stuff that I think really allows us to be creative and we talk about having using our imaginations um i think that's the really interesting part is how i would interpret one thing could be interpreted 500 different ways by 500 other people right so yeah. if i'm thinking about like okay i'm like singing a child to sleep which of course there are many songs about these lorca has many of them about a, a mother basically cradling her unborn child who's still in the womb and like singing to them um, I'm probably not going to be doing something that's like a fortissimo fanfare of brass <laughs> if I'm trying to put a small child to sleep right mm -hmm. so but this is where you can really I think start use your imagination this is why we spend and I know Matt you really subscribe to this about understanding the fundamentals what do why do we learn a bunch of different articulations because it gives yes. us more vocabulary to tell stories why do we learn how to play fortissimo all the way down to niente in all the ranges because those different ranges speak different things in different dynamics so the more ability we have to make different and a variety of sounds i think the more interesting stories we can actually tell yeah and once you're done, you know, like uh, uh, developing those, I always say like you need to have as large a palette as you can possibly have for like tone color, articulation, you know, like dynamics, all, all that stuff. And then um, you should just experiment, find find new sounds, find different ways to do things, find things that are not standard that you would never find in a book, you know, just play around, be curious and say oh like i will never forget the first time i was like doing some random like response exercise and i was like wow i should use this in music <laughs> you know it was like a breath attack instead of like using an articulation and i was like wow that works really well right there you know and i was like duh like fundamentals are supposed to transfer into our music so it, it was just exactly. a dumb moment but so, so no that's not dumb i love that so much well, no, i'm so I mean, glad that you said that i'm saying i yeah. was dumb for not making that connection oh. <laughs> <laughs> like duh i everything i do in the practice room stays in the practice room and then right. i go do music differently yeah. no 
But I yeah. think I think that then that sort of bleeds us into the the the, the elements of music that the, the the composer has put into the music, right? That's making yes. sure I, I have my own story, but like what what have they put in here that's going to help us uh, uh, play these things? For example, I I love to use our, our uh, use Elegy by Alex Noppy, our former trumpet colleague, um, who he wrote this piece in uh, memory of his grandmother. And I like I, I am literally like when he when he talks about he gives the pre you know, before we play the piece, he explains about his grandmother and he talks about her and how like strong she was and resilient. And 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 despite the fact that she like suffered a medical malady for her, the, her entire life and uh, like there are specific moments that I'm like, ah, this is this moment of her character. Like this is her tenderness, her kindness. And then when we're rip roaring on like, you know, fortissimo like high seas and stuff i'm like this is her resilience this is her fight this is where this is and that is very very clear it's very clear in the music and if you 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 know that you can then apply those things and sometimes it's not so that's not really a story necessarily but jesse mentioned in the beginning about capturing the essence of something and capturing a character of something and i think that's one way one way that we can do that absolutely and i think too that when we think about things like that like as an audience member um how important it is to when you walk into a performance know something about it right come in as an educated listener um i know that you know i've certainly heard pieces of music and i'm like you know it's nice i mean i don't ever think there's really any pieces i don't like but there are definitely pieces i like more and so when i listen to a piece of music i'm like yeah that was good you know and a couple years later having experienced many things or being in a different place in my life and i hear that same song and i'm like oh my god i love this how did i <laughs> like how did i not yeah. i've heard this before like why is this all of a sudden a different experience you know and part of it's because either i know more either about me or i know more about the piece or the circumstances that created that um, or whatever. I, that that stuff's also, I think, super, super just digging into that, which I, I, I really like. So, you know, that stories can evolve and change uh, because we evolve and change, which I think is really interesting. You know, another thing I think going along with what you said is uh, one of the ideas I love about storytelling is that are we meeting the audience, like meeting their expectations? So in other words, for example, like something like the Rite of Spring, right? Or even when we play Collier Jones, right? And people hear that this is a 20th century work. I think there is a story that people have or sounds that people have in their ear when they hear it's a 20th century work. And then we play it and people are like, that is not what I expected at all based on my biases and not necessarily bad bias, just bias based on your experience, right? But the fact that, you know, we can challenge those things, um, which I love, right? It's not necessarily all this really straightforward. I'm trying to create happiness, you know? And then I play something like, right? A little bit of Mozart to make us happy or, you know, major keys. But um, how, how, how many more stories can we tell when we challenge the listener a little bit more through changing definitions of what is a melody? What is harmony? Can I redefine those things um, in a way that can tell different stories or um, challenge what we've heard before, um, which I think is always, I mean, that's one of the things I love about visual art. It's when you look at something, 
Um, I remember seeing this thing. It was just a very lightly penciled in grid and it was called the tree. And I remember looking at this being like, okay, am I just really dumb? Because I totally don't get it. But I could not stop thinking about it all day. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I was like, what is this person asking me to see that I'm not seeing? So to step outside of the box that it doesn't necessarily, and it's what you were saying about being exploratory and finding new ways to express and create these myriad of human emotions that we all experience. Um, I think that that's, that's where we can talk, like, as performers and musicians, it's our job to be creative and come up with more ways, you know, working collaborations with composers. How, how could we tell this story that's been told a hundred times a little differently? How can we look at it or express it from a different perspective or a different character's view? Um, and, and I think that does keep things really fresh and interesting as a performer. I mean, we've all probably performed Beethoven five a hundred times, but yeah. I will never get tired of that piece. Because every time I go in there, I hear something I didn't hear before. Or realize a certain part of the story I didn't realize before. I get tired of that piece all the time. But it's mostly just like face tired. You know, oh. that fourth, <laughs> fourth movement is kind of That's exhausting. a good one, though. It is a good one. It is a great it. one. So I, yep. I just wanted to like touch on something that you said. And, and, and we're talking about audience experience a little bit. Um, and before we dive into, uh, for, for those of you, th this the next section that we sort of have is going to be about uh, sort of ways that you can, uh, like maybe some activities, some things that you can do. Uh, those of you that are musicians that are like, I struggle to tell a story. Well, we'll have some, some things for you to do. But uh, before we jump into that, I just think it's important for us to uh, touch on a couple of things. The story that I have in my mind and the story that I am telling will not necessarily, in fact, is rarely the story that the audience perceives. You know, I have audience members come up and they say, oh, my gosh, I just loved that piece. And they'll say, I love the way you played this. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, which one? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that one. It was just so happy and beautiful and bouncy. And I'm like. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you talking about the third movement of Kinder Totenleader? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it was just, you know, it was so, and I'm like, oh dear Lord, what have I done? You know, like mm -hmm. I have not conveyed this, but they were moved by it. They were mm -hmm. like, oh wow, this was really beautiful. So, and, and there's no way, unless I tell someone beforehand, uh, which I did tell this person beforehand because I announced what the songs were about and they still thought it was a happy tune. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there's no way un unless we have some sort of programming where we say, this is exactly what you should be thinking during this time. But then that's sort of robbing them of their own creative experience and their own sort of, um, it it's forcing our own sort of story on someone else. And we've already seen how that works, you know, or right. we, we've already talked about how, how it works to tell, you know, to be forced to like listen to or tell someone else's story. So yeah. I think that's, that's important. Um, and then there's one question that I want to ask you, Jesse, that is, uh, you know, we, it, it may, may or may not be uh, sort of controversial, but um, I, I'm curious how, how true must you be to the composer's story and the context of the composer in which the composer wrote this to give a meaningful, moving, interesting performance mm -hmm. 
to some to to an audience that doesn't know anything about it. Right. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that you could go about that. That's I, I don't know if I have have a clear picture of like where I fall on that. I think a couple of niche, initial thoughts for me is that um, I think that it is important to convey what I think the composer had, right? So like if we understand here's what they're trying to say, that means you're going to play these notes and rhythms a certain way, which in which they were intended. So I, I think that there is a real part of me that wants to make sure that I'm doing it justice that way. Um, now, when you said, can we not think about those things or approach it differently from what the composer prescribed and still make it meaningful? Yes, 100%. I believe it can be meaningful in a different way. Right. Um, but it may not necessarily be what the composer intended. Um, so, you know, and, and this, I think, kind of falls in line with a question that I was asked recently where I was like initially kind of offended. And then I was like, well, that's a really good question, though. And it was like, you know, as a musician, do you even really consider like like consider yourself a musician because all you're doing is playing other people's works? They're not even <laughs> yours. And I was like, ew, that's a me thing. What do you mean? You know, and then I was like. No, but where where I I think kind of landed on that after kind of getting over myself for a second was the difference is is that I have to do the work to interpret what they're saying and bring that to life. So without me, this doesn't exist. Yeah. Um and that's why I do think it is important to know context, right? A musical time period. Is this a romantic piece of music or is this a classical piece of music? I mean, those you're going to look at music very, very differently. And I think that, you know, depending on your goal, why am I performing this? I, is it to tell this story by this person? Then, yeah, I think we should adhere to what we know about it, you know, and play it the way that it was intended. Um, if it's something where, you know, we just kind of want to experience something or more absolute music that doesn't necessarily have a prescribed story, then yeah, I think you can be more open and I think um, look through a little bit more with your lens. But I mean, like I said, even when you're doing what a composer has set out for you to do, you're still doing it through your lens. So there is still is some probably interpretation in there that maybe not be or may not be 100% accurate. But to that same end, can it still be a meaningful performance for somebody? Yeah, I would. I think that it probably could be. Um, but like I said, I mean, what a great philosophical question that is. A really, really great philosophical question. And you know, it's funny because how often do we actually talk about that in performance? Like, do we want to do what the composer says or do we not want to do what the composer says? I don't, I don't know if we've ever even talked about that as a group. I, I certainly think that we, we do... Uh, sort of make edits and we do change small things uh, pretty regularly to say, mm, yeah, this doesn't work for us or this doesn't mm -hmm. work for the story that we're trying to tell or we feel this music this way. And yeah, our, our interpretation of it, our, right? Yeah, our interpretation yeah. of that thing. And the composers are fine with it, you know, yeah. at, at least the ones that are alive and the ones that are dead don't care. So Whatever. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, and, you know, depending, I mean, the it's the value, right? right. And the value is perceived. Mm -hmm. So, and it's kind of like what you said, like no matter what words come out of your mouth, 
it's not necessarily always your intention that is perceived by the person you're talking to. So to some degree, we don't have any control <laughs> over what the audience is going to hear, which I kind of love that part of it. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. there is some way to kind of connect or not connect. And then what a great discussion point that is. What a great way to say, wow, let's talk about this. Let's understand each other a little bit more. You know, I don't know. I feel like that opens so many avenues. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, if that's that is awesome. larger. That is larger than this podcast, though. Yes, it larger is. than Much this larger. episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally so true. We're gonna have well, a let's series. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about um, how, like, for example, Matt, if you're preparing, and let's talk about this. Um, say that we get a new piece for Marari. Sure. Um, so let's say we're doing the Mendelssohn. Okay, so we just got this piece. It's a string quartet that has been trans- transcribed for brass quintet by Vern Reynolds, how do you, because there is no prescribed story for that. Mendelssohn didn't right. say, here's what's happening in the movie that was playing in my mind when I wrote this piece. So what were the things that you did that helped you connect to the music? Um, so for for me, and I, I think there has to be an understanding of the music before uh, before anything. So for me, I, I like to do this and I, I challenge all of my students to do this, but I will sit down and I will like sing through all of my, my stuff. I'll sing through all of my parts. Um, just so that before I even go listen to a recording and have someone give me their version of the story, um, and give me their version of the piece, I know I have, I'm building my own expectations and I'm already thinking, Hmm, this would be nice to do this right here. Or, Oh, this melody feels like it should do this. Um, so, so, so that's one now, I mean, man, with something so massive like this, obviously like each one of the movements can be a, 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 a movie unto themselves. But I, I, I think for things where I, I am definitely trying to give like, okay, if, if I'm, this is kind of a difficult thing because I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I used to do this exercise a lot where I would like create a narrative. Um, but now it's <laughs> not to make myself seem like some sort of superior musician or something, but <laughs> I feel like now I am more in the like capturing of essences that you talked about. So like, this is what this is. And I'll have like very descriptive words. However, I do have like, you, you happen to pick a particular piece that I have very descriptive words for, but not necessarily a narrative. I do have pieces where I do have a narrative though. And that helps me when something isn't so clear cut as to what its essence should be for me. So I'm going to get right to like, here you go. Here's an actual activity that you can, that you can do one. Pretend like Jesse said, this is like, you know, a movie, right? We, we're coming in from fade to black and let's pretend it's a movie scene and this music is behind it. So like, what is the scene, right? Step one is like set that scene. Okay. And then uh, you have to determine how many characters are there. 
And, and see, this is where the problem is. If you haven't gone through the music and sort of taken a look at it and, and figured out like, okay, here are the different characters that I want to develop. You don't know if you're going to have two characters or one character or four characters or, or whatever. So you I, could really miss out on, on some opportunities too. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. And then once you have those characters developed, um, then, you know, then you can say, all right, all right. If, if, if you're struggling, that's when you start for me, that's when I start to paint the picture. Okay, what is happening in this moment right here? What exactly are they talking about? And I'll get really specific about it. You know, and in, in my mind, sometimes I go to prearranged stories. You know, I say, okay, this is like Don Quixote. <laughs> you know, like I, I literally think of Don Quixote for the Haydn Trumpet Concerto. Like, uh, and I, I can go into that, but those of you that are trumpet players who have heard the, oh, these are your characters, these are your three three or four characters, whatever, you will under, totally understand what I'm talking about. Um, but th for me, that's those are the sort of the steps. You have to say, okay, let's set the scene so I know exactly where I am, like, and get detailed about it, right? Not just like, I'm outside, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. where outside? Are you in... Are, are you in a downtown area? Are you in a forest? Are you on the beach? Are you, you know, uh, like, is the sun shining? Is it cloudy and gray? And why is it cloudy and gray? Is it cloudy and gray because it's like the middle of six months of no sun rising in Alaska? You know, or whatever it is, you yeah. know, like, like be, be very, very specific with it. And the more specific you can get, I think that really helps you develop the characters and the narrative a lot more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is something, too, that I learned from my studies with Jeff Nelson is where um, he would actually have a chart that would actually talk you through all of those things. And then you start connecting. The reason I'm playing this staccato is because it tells this part of the story. The reason I'm playing this fortissimo with a brassy sound is because it's expressing this part of this particular story. So yeah, like I love that you said, like sing through it, kind of know all the parts and how they work together because that gives you more opportunity to sell more intricate and um, meaningful, I think, potentially stories, which is really cool. Um, but I would, I take post-it notes um, so before I play a solo and I have it on the top of my music and I'm like, these are the things you're trying to express just as reminders for me. Like this is about a story. Like I'm not just playing notes and rhythms because nobody cares about those. They care how those things make them feel. And right. if I'm not sure to have a story, then there's no way that the audience is going to get um, a story uh, from that either. But yeah, I love the whole idea of like this, there's a movie playing and the music is accompanying it. What's happening and getting as specific as you can um, because that makes it, I think, a lot easier and a lot more clear cut on what you're doing. There's also, I think, a degree from a performer that separates it, right? So I don't, yeah. it, it's a way for me to get a little bit of distance, you know, so it's not just like, oh, I'm a horrible player because I missed that. It was like, oh, I didn't take advantage of that opportunity to express this part of it, um, which I think helps me kind of stay in the story a little bit more. Also, I don't get as nervous. If I'm thinking about, okay, this is what this is and this is what I'm representing, my brain is super busy telling that story right. rather than being super nervous about telling it. And then sometimes when I make a mistake, I'm like, oh no, he fell down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get back exactly. up and you keep moving, you know? Just keep going. <laughs> exactly. Helps you totally get through true. That. And and look, and and I think one of the things that we we talked plenty about beforehand, but with any piece, if there is something that is prescribed, that, that there is a program already, or there there's you know uh, uh, the context with, within which is written has has given you a way 
um, that you should be playing a thing, then that can really help you <laughs> if you know that. You can still write your own story, but you're just going to know that it's set in 1944 in Berlin. You know, like, and that's going to change your story from yeah. uh, 1980 in, like, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to change the sort of feel of that, uh, uh, knowing Absolutely. that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately, the whole point of this conversation that Matt and I are having today is that you you get to be the storyteller. And it is through your eyes, through your lens, um, and that those opinions are what people are paying to come hear, right? Those feelings are what people want to hear. Like, you know, I know I've we've had this in Marari where people come in and they're like, God, I had the worst day. And then, you know, just sitting down for that 20 minutes, 25 minutes and listening to the Mendelssohn just made everything better, right? Um, you know, it's just a way to forget your day and just jump into something else. I mean, the way that it can change people um, and change moods and all of those kinds of things. Those are all kind of stories too and narratives and ways that we can connect with each other um, that are story driven as well. Um, and I think that stuff's super, super important. But take it upon yourself to have an opinion and to have an educated opinion and to take advantage of the opportunity to share a little bit of who you are um, with a group of people who might really need to hear that um, and to or need to understand that or to look at it differently or to feel less alone um, right all of those kinds of things and how wildly important I think me particularly really thinks that that is today you know, that there is a lot of love and beauty surrounding us. Um, and having those kind of stories be told often and well, um, I think is really, really important and meaningful. It makes it, our jobs are important as storytellers through music. And of course, through many other ways too, but us specifically being musicians is I think where we feel it the most. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully you found some uh, 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 helpful advice or, or you enjoyed our discussion or maybe you hated what we talked about <laughs> and you would like to just absolutely uh, rail us for this conversation uh, please do so find us on Facebook <laughs> or on Instagram uh, or on our website uh, and we're the only Marari Brass Quintet in existence so it's not hard to find us and I trust your uh, skills in uh, searching um, but anyway Take your stories out to the people, you know, take your stories out to everyone, but make sure you do it safely uh, <laughs> and creatively. OK, so uh, like we say at the end of all of these podcasts, number one, thank you for your time. Thank you for being you. Thank you for listening. Stay happy. Keep practicing and always stay, stay unmuted. Un muted. Bye. I did not do that as well as Peyton does it. <laughs>